So if you have your Bible, Psalm 19, we're going to go through the whole thing today. Let's look at it right now. Verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens... He has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are much more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of transgression. May the words of my mouth be the meditation of my heart, or may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. I grew up outside, but, but no one in the history of the world has ever referred to Doug Bratcher as an outdoorsman. Let me make that very clear. I grew up on the lake, in the woods, but I'm, I mean, I, I did Cub Scouts, I did Camp Curry, right? But I... I didn't even get all the badges at Camp Curry. And I went two years in a row, and they count them all together as one. And I didn't, still didn't get them all. Okay, just I need you to know this up front. I am not an outdoorsman. And so when I say I, I make a lot of mistakes, I was outside a lot in the last couple of weeks. And so I want to share with you some of my faux pas. The first one is, is that last week we went, uh, we, we floated the river. Now, we took the boys, uh, and they've never been. And I was concerned. One of the boys has spent three consecutive months in the dark of his room playing video games, and I wasn't sure he knew where outside was. And so I was concerned about whether or not he would want to go. And the other one was, he's just a little feller, and I was like, I don't know. Is he going to be patient enough to do this? One of my biggest concerns was uh, I did grow up on the lake, and so there's one thing I do have a healthy fear of. It's an understanding and fear of the water. Right, I love the water. I love to swim, but I also know that lots of things can go wrong if you don't respect it. And so I was nervous. I was like, "Okay, there's a lot out here in this nature, and we're going to go." The river was up a little bit, and uh, and so it was moving a little bit. You know, it was kind of nice, and and so I was nervous. Let me just say that I was nervous. Luckily, luckily. My worries were unfounded. It was a beautiful sunny day. The water was up. Uh, the trees were beautiful. The sky was clear, maybe too clear. Could have used a cloud or two, right? But the sky was clear. We saw critters. We saw turtles and snakes. I didn't see the snake, even better. Um, deer, eagles, turkeys. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Like, you know, we even saw a tree where uh, all the ground had eroded away and you could see all the roots and it was still, I'm like, Link, look at the tree. It's awesome. He goes, that's not possible. And I'm like, no, it is possible. Look, it's right there. You see it. It's actually, like, it is possible. Um, and so it was awesome. It was a great, great day. Um, 
And so when I look back and read Psalm 19 again, I want to read 1 through 6 one more time for you as we look at this. Um, Verse 1 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, and night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens He has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from the pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It raises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. As we read Psalm 19, the first thing I need you to know is this, is God's glory is known by all. If there is one thing that was very evident the minute we got on the water was this, was that God is awesome and God is good. And I don't know if it was because I feel like I've been trapped in my four-wall prison of my home with the roof on it and seeing the, the gray walls and, you know, whatever, uh, that, that it, it was kind of elevated or that I was at some sort of heightened sense or whatever, but I was reminded very quickly. The, one of the first things I said, we, we started down and we were with some friends and their kids, and I said, do you hear that? My friend said, what? I said, nothing. Nothing. It was just a, you could just hear a little bit of water. You could hear the crickets, you know, a couple of birds. It was awesome. And I just looked and everything was so green. The sky was so blue. And it was beautiful. And I was reminded very quickly that I serve an awesome God. A God who is amazing. A God who is praiseworthy. A God that is an artist, a creator. We use words like awesome, glorious, and amazing. And those are good words that, that have, the, the lexicon of, of all the things we use have just fallen. But none of them describe how awesome he is or how great he is or how worthy of all of our praise he is. There's, there's nothing that can compare. And the heavens, they just scream it. And I don't know, again, I don't know if it was the fact that I got out of my house. I don't know if it was the fact that I left this in the car. You know, I don't know if it was the fact that there was, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of unplugged a little bit last couple weeks, you know. And, and I don't know if it was that. But let me tell you what, all of a sudden when there was nothing else to worry about, it was awesome. And so the first thing I want you to look at when we look at this scripture is that God's glory is known by all. Paul in Romans is writing to the Roman church, and he's talking about some destruction and wrath that's coming their way. He's talking to the church in Rome right here, and he says this in verse 19 and 20. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, the Romans, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Let me tell you what, there is no denying the truth of the Creator. The heavens declare it, the skies proclaim it, and there is nothing that can escape that truth. It uses it towards the end of the verses in, in the psalm. It says, it says he's like, it's, it's talking about the sun, and it's a metaphor for God. It's like he is... He is like the sun that comes out every day and nothing, and I can attest to this as we were on the river, that nothing was hiding the sun from my head, my very bald head. And thankfully, we use lots and lots and lots of sunscreen because it would be just peeling right now and it would be a train wreck. Um, Nothing is hidden from him. 
Nothing. That is our glorious Lord. And that's our base for today. Step one, the first thing to know is God's glory is known by all. The second thing I would say when we see this psalm, psalm is this. God's reconciliation is known by his people. Now, now there's a lot to unpack here, uh, and I don't want to confuse anybody, okay? I need you to hear this. So let's read it, and then I want to explain what this means. We're going to be in, starting in verse 7 here. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. You see, David is, the, the author of the psalm, David, has, has shifted here, right? First it was the heavens declare, and now we're here. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward." Now, I don't want you to be confused here. When I say God's reconciliation or being made right with God, reconciliation, reconciling, I don't want you to be confused and think that it's only for us. The gospel is for everyone, right? It's not limited for just a chosen group. It is for anyone who wants to believe. But I need you to know there's a difference in knowing God and knowing God. There's a difference in knowing something and knowing something. Well, Doug, what are you talking about? So we're, we're on the river, right? We're on the river, and, and we have a bunch of little kids, and as they need to do, somebody need to use the potty. All right, so we get out. We, you know, we pull over. We're eating some lunch. We pull over, we know, and one kid's got to go to the bathroom. Okay, go. Sure, fine. Go. Do what you got to do. Somebody says, watch out for poison oak. And I said, yes, watch out for poison oak. What's poison oak look like? Now, here's what I know. I know there's a difference between generic shrubbery and poison oak. What I don't know is what that difference is. Now, I was informed between services exactly. Again, I, would like to, I was a Cub Scout, and I went to Camp Curry, and I grew up in Dog Creek. I don't know. It's, you know, I don't know. But I know there's a difference. I'm just like, yeah, there's this thing you should look for. Don't do that. Don't go over there. That'll be real bad. That'll make a real bad day, right? And so, I, you know, you can know something. I know there's a difference, but I don't. Know the difference. A, a great uh, way to look at this might be this. When I was in school, um, I, I didn't get saved until I was a senior in high school, and, and I knew a lot of kids who went to church. And I knew they went to church, and I had heard about Jesus, and I had heard about all the rules, and I'm like, yeah, I get it. Jesus, that Jesus stuff is all these rules and regulations, and there are a lot of Debbie Downers, right, and not fun people. I know what those people are. I got you. I, I've... I know that Jesus stuff. Flash forward, I go to church, I get saved, right? I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And all of a sudden, I don't, I, at that point, I knew Jesus, right? I knew, but I didn't know Jesus. See the difference? A little, a little nuanced. There's a difference between knowing something and knowing something. But I need you to listen. Listen how David describes the law. Now, now, are we bound under the law right now? No, no, no. We, have, we, we follow the one who fulfilled all of the law, right? 
But Jesus still lays down all of these wonderful truths for us to follow. And a lot of them sound a lot like this. But listen to how David describes the law. This thing you have to do to make sure you're right with God, which sounds very oppressive and very scary. And like you got to do all these things and make sure you follow these rules. It very, sounds very stressful to me. And I would call it constricting or restricting or scary. But listen to how David describes these things. In verse 7, he says, speaking of the law, it revives the soul and makes wise the simple. Verse 8, gives joy to the heart and light to the eyes. Verse 10, it's more precious than gold. It's sweeter than honey. Verse 11, it keeps, uh, in keeping them provides a great reward. Since when do rules make someone feel this way? When they provide freedom from guilt and shame, they make you feel free. When they provide forgiveness from past failures, when they illuminate the truths of our self-worth that we're created in God's image, we no longer have to feel less than or unworthy. When they draw us close to the loving God that is so amazing, the skies proclaim the works of His hand. When you don't know, when you just look at it from the outside, you say, oh, that all looks restricting. But when you know, you see the freedom that comes, the freedom that comes from reconciliation with the Lord. The freedom that comes. And so when I say his people know, you know, God's reconciliation is known by his people, I mean that we know the truth. We know the freeing goodness that comes from a loving relationship with a holy, awesome God. And that makes us different, right? Our sinful nature gets wiped clean and eradicated and reconciliated by the blood of the Lamb, and that makes us different, and that makes us stand out. Because we have hope, we can be hope to the world. When we have been forgiven, we can forgive. Uh, we have joy, therefore we can spread joy to others. And when we get a great reward, we can help others find it. So when we see the second part of the psalm, I would say this, God's reconciliation is known by his people. The last thing I say about the psalm is this, is that God's call to be sanctified is known by the individual. God's call to be sanctified is known by the individual. Now, I would say we're working from macro to micro here, like macro, like big picture, right? God is holy. Everyone knows this because the heavens declare it. God's reconciliation is known by his people. That's a smaller amount, right? His people know his reconciliation, how awesome and how good it is. And now we're going to go all the way to micro. All the way to micro. God's call to be sanctified is known by you, by the individual. This is us, each one of us, right? The idea of sanctification, the continuation of becoming holy as he is holy, right? The continuation to try to grow and be as like Jesus as we could possibly be, which we're never going to do. Spoiler alert, you're never going to get there, right? It's never going to happen. But our call is still to strive to do this. So that's what we're talking about. And see, so in verse 13, we're going to jump down. We're going to read 12 and 13. So 12, let's read it real quick. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sin. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And we're good with 13, right? We get it. We mess up. We know we mess up. I yelled at my kid when I shouldn't have. I, I, I did something bad. I let my anger get the best of me. I did something I wasn't supposed to do. And then you ask for forgiveness. God, I did this thing that I should not have done. Please forgive me, right? And I hope you're doing that in your prayer life, right? You should be doing that. 
You don't get to like just accept Jesus and never have to do it again. That's not the way it works, right? When you get married and say, I do, you say, I love you forever. That doesn't mean you don't say, I love you anymore to your spouse, right? God forgives us. We still go and ask for his forgiveness when we mess up and we know we mess up. We do that. So you should be doing that. That's one way we continue to be sanctified. The verse in here, though, that's kind of the kicker is this. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. So in other outdoor adventures of Doug, I was mowing my yard. Now you may think, Doug, that's not outdoors. For me, that's outdoors. Um, and also an area of incompetence. And I, I'm not a yard guy. By yard guy, I mean I don't care about my yard, right? Never do, never have. My neighbor, on the other hand, has an immaculate yard. It is beautiful. In fact, it's so beautiful, I'm afraid sometimes, and he may not, but it feel, it, it's my own ineptitude when I say this. I feel like when I start to mow my yard, he comes out on his porch and judges me. He's probably not, but because my yard looks so bad, that's how I feel. Okay? And so I was, I was mowing the other day, and my buddy, who never drives through my neighborhood, drives up. And he says, in the way only one of your best friends can do, he rolls his window down and goes, I mean, why are you even mowing that? Because it was bad. It was, it was, it was patchy. It was, it's rough. So we're getting ready to go on a trip for a few days, and I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fix my yard. So I headed on down to Lowe's, where all of you were. I'm pretty sure it was packed. And I, I buy some weed and feed, you know, weeds out your yard, uh, the stuff in your yard, and it feeds the grass. And I'm thinking, well, I probably need the, all of these things. This sounds like both of the things I need. Weed and feed. I need the weeds to go away. I need to feed the grass. Again, not an outdoorsman. So I go. I do own a spreader. I don't know why. So I'm spreading my weed and feed. I go on my trip, and I'm pretty excited. I thought... I was thinking, we're coming home, and the first thing I think is, we're going to turn down the road where I can see my yard for the first time. I'm like, let's see what the yard's looking like. It's been raining, hadn't mowed, I and mean, it's going to be lush and thick and tall. It looked like somebody caught it on fire. It was just brown. The whole front yard is just brown. Do you know what I discovered? Apparently, it worked. I'm not knocking the weed and feed. Because apparently, it killed all the weeds. What I was unaware of was that my whole front yard was a weed. And so I would say this. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't know that my yard was a weed. And so now if you drive by, my yard is full of straw where I'm driving to re Anyway, it's a mess. It's a mess. But I didn't know what I didn't know. David says... Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. The death of George Floyd has sparked a lot of controversy about a great number of things around the world. Um, and one of those things would be racism. And I grew up in an area where um, uh, that would, I would call it racist. It would be a fair assessment. Um, but I would have by no means called myself a racist or say that I had racist tendencies. Now, 
I'm saying this to remind you that there is always something missing. David says this. He says, there's something, what are my hidden faults? Now, I've, over the last couple weeks, read a lot of articles, watched a lot of videos, um, tried to talk to people, um, and, and my wife has done this also with her job, and, and I, I was watching this video, and so I just, I just want to speak from my, my place, where I'm at. I was watching a, a video of, of a, a lot of people I was aware of, writers, it was some athletes, there was a professional wrestler, people I'm aware of, right? And, they're, uh, and these black men were talking about something, and, and they were having this conversation, and they said this. One of them said, when I was growing up, my parents had to have the talk with me. And if I said to you the talk, you're thinking the sex talk, right? Have you had the sex talk with your kid, right? Because we have to warn them about the good, the bad, all the things you need to know about sex when you get old enough that you have to think about these things. That was not what he was talking about. He was talking about the talk that his dad had to have with him. He said, hey, you're going to be a black man in this country, and these are things you need to be aware of, right? These are things that may happen to you because of what you look like. It's not always going to happen, but you need to be aware of this situation and how this looks. And then the part that got me was, because if you hear one person tell a story, that's one thing, right? But everybody else in this meeting started shaking their head up and down. Yes, I understand because I also had to have that conversation with my parents. My parents had that conversation with me when I was growing up. And then I talked to my wife, and she's had some very specific, she would probably love to talk to you about some of this stuff. Um, some of the things she's learned, and she had a very similar situation in a, in a phone call she had with some of her colleagues, and, and the way Casey described it was this. She said, it was almost like somebody peeled a scale off my eye, something I was completely unaware of. I would say this. I didn't know what I didn't know, right? I was unaware. In fact, I'm not going to... Um, you're going to see this quote in a second, and it's, it's kind of funny, but I don't want it to be funny. And it says this, a wise man knows what he doesn't know. Lots of smart people. Um, because I found a, a variation of this quote from everything from ancient Far East to Socrates to probably like your really smart, weird uncle has said something like this, right? This is not some new thing that got made up. But a wise man knows what he doesn't know. And what I've discovered a lot lately is that I didn't know a lot of things. Right? I was ignorant. And you know what? Being ignorant is not a flaw. Being okay with being ignorant. David says, God, search me and know me and find the things in my heart I am unaware of. Am I a good businessman or am I greedy? Right? Am I a good person? Do I have these tendencies to do things in my life that are wrong, that I'm completely unaware of? You don't know what you don't know. David cried out, forgive the sin in my life. I don't know about that. should be our personal cry today. And listen, we've been trapped inside our homes and inside of our bubbles of quarantine, and it's much easier to project um, the idea that the evil in the world is outside of my four walls. There are things in you that you do not know, and God is calling us to repent. There are things you have no idea about, and God is calling us 
to repent. Maybe you're at this place, you're like, Doug, I can't even fathom what that would look like in my life. I can't even begin to process what that might look like for me on this micro level. I'm just, I'm just I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around it. Well, let me... Is anybody in here familiar with um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs? That's some school stuff. I knew you would be, Savannah. Exactly. Uh, so there's this idea, and a really smart guy, and like I read about it in some sociology class or something. If you're an educator, you for sure heard about it. Um, and it's this idea. Imagine, a, imagine the food pyramid, right? Except it's blank. And at the bottom of it, it's talking about the needs of people. At the, bo- at the very bottom, at the base of the pyramid, it are things like physical needs, sh- food, shelter, clothing, right? And so you, you need these things, right, to survive, to live. Then the next level up are things that go like safety, resources, health. You know, you're like, Doug, shouldn't safety be in the first category? No, you would give up your safety, right, if you were starving. You would try to do something about it, right? So, And then the next level up is like love, and then the next level up are things like apathy and empathy. And then the, next, the highest level is like self-actualization, right? And so the idea is if, if we, you're like, why are feeding kids at school such a big deal? Because some kids need to eat, right? Some kids don't have great food opportunities at home. And so it's impossible for a teacher to do their job, right, unless these base level needs are met. We can't educate until we've done all of these things. And we have so many programs that are awesome in our community that try to accommodate these things. And so they can work up to the top and become the person, an awesome human being, right? So that they can become the, the best version of themselves. I would say this. If you took that and wiped out all the needs, I would say it this way. If you look at this psalm, right, at the bottom, if you're struggling praising the God who created this whole world, the heaven that the heavens cry out for, that it's impossible to look at and not know he exists, right? If you can't do that, I doubt you're going to be able to find freedom and awesomeness in the law and the precepts. And, and then I doubt if you can't do that, that you're not going to be able to, to find somewhere deep down inside of you something that you're missing, Right? So I would say this, if you're having trouble up here, it's time to start way down here. If you're having trouble looking inward, start here first with the God who loves you. Then rest in his reconciliation and then start to function and dig deep into yourself. We're going to come to a time of, not invitation because they're not going to let you come up here, right? No, not, not today. But we're going to come to a time of seeing how you, you know, can respond to this moment. And, and, and you can see the slide at home. You can see um, if you need prayer, you can go to the website and send it to us. You can email us. You can contact or text, you know, call or text us. Anything you might need. But right now, we're going to ask as, as you stand um, and the band comes, let's pray uh, for how God can use us during this time. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you now. Thank you for today. Thank you for the great many blessings of life that you've given us. And God, we know this. You are holy. You are big and you are awesome. And you are just an artist who has created this magnificent world that we get to live in. God, thank you for that. We are blessed beyond measure. And God, you are almighty and holy and amazing and awesome. And words I can't even begin that don't describe how great you are. They're not, they're not good enough. 
God, I thank you, God, that you love us enough that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins, God, and that he rose again and that we can have reconciliation. And God, that that reconciliation is not a list of rules or a list of things we have to follow, God, but it is freedom. It is a place that we can find joy. And God, I pray that through all that, we'll be able to look to ourselves see our faults, God, that we will know our faults and we will ask for forgiveness, but God, we will also seek those faults we don't know about, God, that you'll forgive us for those, God, that you'll shine light on them like the sun that goes over and nothing is hidden from its heat, God, we pray that you will illuminate our errors and God, I pray then we'll be able to say like in verse 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We love you. We praise you. We ask it all in Jesus' name.